Right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on how to receive a miracle. This is part two. This will be a two-part message uh, uh, last week and then this week. Just so you know, that all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. And on the top right corner it says give, and you can give uh, from anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And, uh, excuse me, and the, and the address for, our, uh, for mailing in the check is on the bottom of every page on our website. And then also... If you're in the United States, just so you know, all your contributions are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 5 church. So I'm in part two of this mini-series that I started uh, a couple weeks ago on how to receive a miracle. This is a continuation of talking about the compassion of Jesus and a continuation of our previous series on talking about how uh, on such a great salvation. And as we were focusing on uh, the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. Okay? And so, uh, we only have two more Sundays left in the calendar year. So, that today I'm going to finish this mini-series on how to, receive a how to receive a miracle. And then uh, next week we're going to have a Christmas message unto us, a child is born. And then uh, I'll start off the new year on January 1st, 2023 with a whole new teaching series. Uh, I felt that to go a whole new direction, and we're going to be talking about dying is the kingdom. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And so we're going to tie that into a lot of what we've been talking about, as well as getting some new territory for the new year. So anyway, that's kind of the roadmap we're going for the next few weeks. Uh, so uh, let's get into the message this morning as we talk about how to receive a miracle. I, can, I understand some people this is a, a foreign concept that we can even teach how to receive a miracle. And so that's why we need to teach it, because a lot of people have not heard of this, and, uh, and that, that we can receive the miracles from God. And so, first of all, let me just begin by saying, when the church began, when the church was born on the day of Pentecost, it was accompanied by miracles. There were miracles on a normal basis, on a daily basis, in the early church when it was born. Miracles flowed not only from Jesus but also flowed from the apostles, okay? And from those who followed them, not only the apostles, but also those who followed them. You can see this with Stephen. You can see this with Philip. You can see this with others who were not apostles, where uh, the, 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 the miraculous flowed uh, from those who preached the gospel. The first, in other words, the first church was a church of miracles. Miracles were the norm. The supernatural was the norm. To us today, almost 2,000 years later, we think it's almost abnormal or supernatural to, to have miracles. And yes, and miracles are supernatural, but the supernatural for those of us who are born again should be the norm. Okay? See, without miracles, we simply have religion. And Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a way of life. Christianity is a relationship with a living God and the living Word. 
It is the life of Jesus living on the inside of us. That's Christianity. Because the key phrase of Christianity is Christ-anity. And Christ is living in us and through us. And Christ living in us and through us is a miracle-working life. That itself, Christ living in us, is a miracle. And so the very seed, the very nature of our born-again spirit is miraculous. And from the miraculous flows miraculous. Okay? And we, as we've been saying each week, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The same Jesus that did miracles 2,000 years ago while he walked the earth is the same Jesus who lives on the inside of us doing miracles today. Christianity is a miracle faith. Okay? Only the true power of God will satisfy the hunger of man's hearts. Only the true power of God. See, men through the years and through the centuries have settled for religion and ritual. But men all over the world, both even atheists, <coughs> excuse me, they are seeking for their true identity. They seek power. They seek for the supernatural, even if it's in the cult or witchcraft or, or some superhero. Okay? And they know it's possible, but very seldom do many people, including the church, experience the miraculous power of God in their midst. See, the Word of God, the book, what we call the Bible, is a book of miracles. Okay? Beginning from creation and throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, you will find God working miracles. Genesis chapter 1. Everything God created in the heavens and in the earth and throughout the universe is a miracle. Every molecule, every atom, everything God created, He created out of nothing. He made it with a miracle. Everything you see, everything you touch, everything you breathe came ultimately from God. Man might have manufactured it, but God provided the materials. He created everything. He created the brain and the, and the intellect to create and manufacture the things that man had manufactured. Okay? Throughout history, the history of nations and the lives of individuals throughout the Word of God, you will see a miracle-working God. A miracle is God's love touching man's needs. God created man. But the fall created man with needs. And the miracle working God, power of God is not indifferent to that. Jesus becoming a man. We're celebrating Christmas in this season. And dying for the sins of the world is the ultimate miracle that was demonstrated towards mankind, towards us. The purpose of miracles is to separate from a dead religion and bring them into a living relationship with the living God. I want to say that again. The purpose of miracles is to separate us, Christianity, from a dead religion to a living relationship with the living God. We're different. Supernatural miracles should be the norm because we are not a dead religion. We are Christianity, Christ in us. The hope of glory.
Man was created with a supernatural ability. It was natural. It was natural ability before the fall. Before the fall. Man lived supernaturally. Okay? Supernatural was a norm. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me explain myself a little bit. It was ability. God gave us the ability, mankind, to think God's thoughts. God gave us the ability to speak His Word and to do His works. From creation, before the fall, man had dominion over God's creation. And it was this, not only that, before the fall, man had an intimate encounter, an intimate relationship, walking with God in the cool of the day. That's supernatural. And as new creations in Christ, through Jesus Christ and the cross, we have been restored into a right relationship with God that we call righteousness. And from and through the cross and through our relationship with God, because of Jesus, we can experience a miraculous relationship with God. And it's miraculous, but it should be normal life for those of us who are born again. And through this relationship with God, through this amazing grace God has demonstrated through us through the cross, and through this, uh, this gift of righteousness that I've talked about many times through the nine years that we've been established as a church, that we are destined to reign. It says in Romans 5, 17, for by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned through the one. You know, most of us don't have a problem with death in the sense we don't like it when people die. We don't want to die. But we don't have a problem theologically uh, defining death. We understand that people are dying and people have died. But death reigned because of Adam's sin through the one. But much more, as much as death is reigning in people's lives, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace, that's the cross, that's Jesus, and the gift of righteousness, a right relationship with God, will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, yes, death reigned, but because of Jesus, and that's why I'm going to be talking about the kingdom of God in January, because of Jesus, we should be receiving, we should be experiencing much more the reign in life, not the death, reign in death, because of this abundance of grace and gift of righteousness. This grace, this gift of righteousness is supernatural. It's a miracle. And because of that miracle, we should be reigning in life. We've been destined to reign as new creations in Christ Jesus. Jesus declared that we, not only that, Jesus also declared that we should do greater works. He said in John 14, just before he went to the cross, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes of me, the works that I do, he will do, and the greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Why is he going to the Father? Because the word does not return void, Isaiah 55. Okay? But it accomplishes, Jesus is the word made flesh, and Jesus is going to the cross. And Jesus, after he raised from the dead, he's going to be ascended to the right hand of his majesty on high, 
And we shall not only do the works that he do because we believe in Jesus, we shall do greater works than Jesus because Jesus, is, through the finished work of the cross, is going to conquer death so that we can reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son who's going to the cross. And we're going to raise, rise again. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. <coughs> Excuse me. Six times between John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay? I have a whole message on that. I've taught on that many times through the years. Okay? But if we will believe him, going back to this verse, if we will believe in him, if we will ask in his name, believing, he will do it. If we would hear him, if we would believe him, if we will begin to speak his word and pray to him and live by him, and him living through us, we will walk in his power, and we will walk in his purpose. He wants to touch the world through us, his body, his church, doing miracles. If we come to him like the first disciples came to Jesus, if we hear what they heard, and if we believe what they believed, and if we call him as they called on him, and if we pray as they prayed, and if we act as they act, and if we preach as they preach, and if we go as they went, we will receive what they received, and we will go and do what they did in this day, in this hour, wherever God has planted you on this planet called Earth. To the Earth is filled with his glory. He redeemed us, Revelation chapter 5, verse nine, verses 19, 9 and 10. He redeemed us by his blood that we shall reign as kings and priests on this earth. Out of every tribe, tongue, and nation, we are the redeemed of the Lord to reign in life. Miracles should be a normal part of the believer's life. Miracles should be the normal part of the believer's life. They are not a whim of God or divine accidents. Miracles are not something God, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Okay? But once we understand how miracles happen, we can move into a greater dimension of the abundant life that Jesus redeemed us to receive and to walk in for ourselves and also for others. It says in Galatians 3, 5, and, and Paul in context here is bringing some correction to the Galatian church. And he says, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's bringing some correction here, but there's some teaching here too. And he said, Those who work miracles, therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you, and works miracles among you. He does it by the hearing of faith. If you will read this verse and slow down just a moment and read this verse, how do we do miracles by the Spirit? We do it by the hearing of faith. There's a key right here. 
How do we do miracles? We do miracles by the Spirit of the living God, by the hearing of faith. Okay? See, in this verse, again, a key to miracles is revealed, as Paul is teaching the church of Galatia. God works miracles in our midst according to the hearing of faith. Okay? So my first point this morning, and I have four points in how to receive a miracle, the first point is that we need to hear. We need to hear where does faith come from? It comes from the Word of God. Okay? So the first thing we need to do this morning is hear. If you want to receive a miracle, you need to hear God. Stop listening to man. Stop listening to your own voice if you need to. And listen and hear God. Hear His Word. Faith comes from the Word of God. Unbelief, doubt will come from the world, from the, from the religious church. From man. Okay? The only requirement for miracles is that you hear God in faith. You can look at all the miracles Jesus did, and how many times did he say, let it be done according to your faith? We were created to hear God. I said, we were created to hear God. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Man was created with the supernatural ability to hear God. It was the ability to think God's thoughts and speak God's words and do God's works. Folks, we are born of God. We are born again. We are children of God. We are born of God. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, living on the inside of us. We have the Word of God who became flesh, living on the side, inside of us. His name is called Jesus. We were created to have dominion over all God's creation. Genesis 1, 26-27. And, 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 and uh, I got that verse wrong. I was uh, Genesis, but we were created with dominion over all God's creation. And God's ability and power was to flow from hearing Him while we have fellowship with Him. The dominion that we have over the earth, over God's creation, is to flow from our relationship with God. What we, to, what we call supernatural today was actually to be, was actually supposed to be natural or normal before sin ever came in the earth, before man fell. Sin. And humanity, because of Adam, changed everything. But Jesus, but Jesus came to restore man into a right relationship with God. Man, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus came to restore man 
to man's original purpose in God. Walking in the supernatural should be natural or normal, should be a lifestyle for believers. We should be hearing God regularly. I remember my first point is that we need to hear God. We should be hearing God regularly. Hearing God should be the normal Christianity. It's a relationship. You can't have a relationship with anybody without communication. You shut down communication, you just shut down the relationship. We are in a relationship with God, and we should be hearing Him regularly. And because we hear Him regularly, we should be acting accordingly, regularly. God's going to tell you what to do, where to do it, how to do it. He's going to equip you and enable you to do it. But you need to hear God. God will never tell you to be passive. God will never tell you to be complacent. Okay? See, miracles are simply God's love touching man's needs. We just spent some time talking about the compassion of Jesus over the last few weeks. And miracles, they can be obvious. They can be spectacular. But miracles can also be quiet. And unseen by others. A child being formed in the mother's womb is very quiet. <laughs> Might be loud to the mom. She can feel what's going on in inside. But the, the world doesn't hear it or see it. And yet, at the time that child comes into the world, it's, it is spectacular. The supernatural is not always spectacular. But when we hear God, and when we declare His Word, and when we act in what He shows us and tells us what to do, miracles will follow. We must believe that miracles are for you and for me. We must believe that none of us are excluded from a miracle. Don't believe that miracles are just for the gifted few, but miracles are for everybody. You can begin to have a miracle today if you set your mind set. In other words, let me rephrase that. You can begin to have a miracle mindset today. Some of us need to change the way we're thinking. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Spend time with Him. Spend time with God. And let Him change your mindset. And giving thanks for everything. <coughs> Sorry, I thought I had another verse on coming up here. Let me just go back real quick. I want to go here and I want to come back. I know I just kind of showed you my points real quick if you were watching, but we'll come back to that. And Philemon says that the communication of my faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Okay? And so, when we spend time with God, and we begin to acknowledge every good thing that's in, in us, our faith, and where does faith come from? Hearing God. 
becomes effectual. If we will spend time with God, we will get things. And as we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus, that faith becomes effectual. Okay? So, my first point is how to receive a miracle is that we need to hear God. But the second thing we can do is we need to envision the challenges. We need, we need to have a new mindset. We need to see life differently. Because we spend time in God's Word, because we spend time with God, we need to see life differently. What does that look like? Well, for starters, we need to envision the challenges in our life and seeing them resolved. I want to say that again. Most of us have challenges. Some of them are relational challenges. Some of them are financial challenges. Excuse me. Some of them are physical challenges. <coughs> and we need to start envisioning them by faith. And we need to see those challenges resolved. We need to hear God, we need to change what we're hearing, and we need to change what we're seeing. We need to start applying God's word to our circumstances and to our challenges. And we need to start seeing them resolved. We need to start seeing our challenges and our lives restored. We need to start seeing our bodies healed. We need to see, start seeing our, lack of a better term, bank account, our treasury filled with the resources to do what God calls to do and be who God calls to be. We need to begin to speak God's word of life. And we speak it by hearing God and we start envisioning what God says about our situation. And we need to start speaking God's words of life, His blessing over our lives. We need to start speaking God's blessings over our families. We need to start speaking God's blessings over our jobs and our businesses. We need to start speaking God's blessings over our future and in our, over our relationships. Start where you have to start, but begin to consider your life a miraculous life. You need to start seeing your life as a living miracle. Stop seeing the lack. Stop seeing the problem. And start seeing God change your problem in your mind by the renewing of your mind. Start Opening your eyes and seeing God use you to feed multitudes, to walk on water, to, to calm the storm or the sea, to speak to the fig tree, to speak to your mountains, but make the move from here to there. My third point is almost like it, but we need to start hearing God, we need to start envisioning God, and then we need to start expecting God. Okay. How do you receive a miracle? You need to start hearing God. 
That means you might need to tune some other things out. You need to start seeing your situation changing, restored, resolved. And you need to start expecting, and it, it goes with it. It's a close second here. But you need to start expecting the unexpected. You need to start expecting to be blessed. You need to start expecting to be healed. You need to start expecting to receive favor. You need to start respecting relationships to be restored and reconciled. God is speaking these things every day and every moment. But we need to hear God. And we need to allow what God is saying to change our vision. And we need to expect it to change. Expect it to be resolved. Expect the supernatural. Okay? You simply must choose to hear God. You simply must choose to envision what God has said about your situation. And you need to choose to expect God. Some of you are expecting whatever's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. You expect lack. You expect not to have enough. You expect to get a no answer. You expect the relationship to go south. You expect this and you expect that. But we need to start expecting God. We need to start hearing God. We need to start envisioning God. We need to start expecting God. We're believers. We're children of God. We walk supernaturally. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's who we are. We need to hear God. We need to envision God. And we need to expect God. God is good. He's a good, good father. And his power is alive. His power is active in the world today. It is his will for everyone to be healed. It's his will for everyone to be blessed. And for miracles to be an everyday experience in their life. God wants you to have and live an, excuse me, an abundant life. God wants you to live a miraculous life. More than that, miracles are easy for God. Miracles are easy for God. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also give us all things? <coughs> the healing, miracle, working power of God is available today because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not holding back on you. God is not holding back on me. God's not holding back, period. Okay? If you don't need... In other words, let me say it this way. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't need a special anointing or a gift to access the miracle-working power of God. Romans says it this way, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth. I want to stop right there for a moment. The gospel is the power of God. And the gospel 
is the power of God unto salvation. That's why I like the King James. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I've just talked about salvation for the last 10 months. Salvation in the Greek, soteria, means wholeness, healing, deliverance, prosperity. The gospel is the power of God. Not, not, nothing else is the power of God. The gospel is. It doesn't just teach you the power of God. It doesn't just lead you to the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Are you believing? Then you have the power of God. Because the power of God, the gospel, is will heal you. The gospel will prosper you. The gospel will deliver you. The gospel will make you whole. We'll spend more time on this in a few moments here. But to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But for therein. Therein what? The gospel. The gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As is written, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. See, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. And I like the word if in the Greek. Because it means believe and continue to believe. Okay? Miracles are easy. Because in the gospel, and I'll get there in just a few moments, is the righteousness of God revealed. There's a wealth of knowledge in this if we will heed and listen to what we're saying here. Excuse me, as I'm tapping my notes here this morning. See, this righteousness, if we will get the revelation of it, is how we turn the switch on. You know, let's just see, you just flip the switch to turn on the power. But when we understand righteousness from faith to faith, it's how we turn the power on. Okay? The, his righteousness enables you to flip on the switch called faith. The hearing of faith is how we do miracles. Did we not just read that in Galatians 3 5? Did we just read that? It's by the hearing of faith that we do miracles by the Spirit of God. And when you understand righteousness, we'll go back, you can experience everything God has provided for you in salvation. Wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. It's available to you, everyone who believes. God is a good God, and his power is alive and is active today, as it's always ever been. And it's his wills for everyone to be healed and everyone to be blessed. And for miracles to be experienced in our lives. It's the hearing of faith that we do miracles. But religion and man has taught us all kinds of things that we have to do in order for miracles to take place. Many have told us through the years that we have to pray long prayers. 
for miracles to take place. Now, there's nothing wrong with long prayers. I don't know about you, but I love spending a long time with my Abba in prayer. Prayer, at its simplest form, is a relationship with God. Where I'm talking to him and he's talking to me, we are having a relationship. There's a dialogue. And prayer is even more powerful when I, when I shut up and let him talk. That's prayer too. Prayer is not just me ask, asking all the questions. Prayer is also me just sitting and being still and knowing that he's God. Meditating on his word. But religion has taught us that we have to do things in order to receive a miracle. But Paul brings correction to that. He says, no, it's by the hearing of faith that we do miracles by the Spirit of God. And there's nothing wrong with long prayers. We need to spend time with God. Prayer is important. Okay? And praying regularly, spending time with God regularly is important. Especially praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. Yes, we teach that in this church. Okay? But the secret to having a miracle is not found in prayer in and of itself. Does prayer work? Yes. But the secret is not in the prayer. Or in the praying. Or even fasting. 40 days and 40 nights as others have told us. Some people say we have to fast and pray and go on a hunger strike to see God move. I'm not against fasting. I'm not against praying. I've taught on both of those at ways in this church. But some people think that we can twist God's arm with our efforts and convince God that we deserve a miracle. He doesn't deserve anything. If we, des if we want to base it on what we deserve, we all deserve hell. It's grace. It's called mercy. It's a gift of righteousness. Do you really think that because you have fasted and prayed long prayers for long periods of time that you have impressed God? And he, because you have prayed long prayers and fasted, God has to answer your prayer and give you a miracle. Do you think God's really impressed by a hunger strike? Okay? God's not impressed with you. God's impressed with Jesus. The only reason God answers our prayers, and prayer does work, but the only reason God answers our prayers is because of the finished work of the cross. Ask anything in my name. Why can we ask anything? Because Jesus, through the cross, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. Therefore, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Don't be deceived. God is not a debtor to any man. The scripture says, God's not a debtor to you. God's not in debt to you. We're in debt to him. Okay? No man deserves God's blessings. No man deserves miracles through his self-efforts. It's not about our sacrifice. It's about his sacrifice on the cross. The moment you take the cross out of the equation, you just made religion. And you just mocked the cross of Christ. And Paul, in Galatians chapter 1, says that's a curse. Okay? 
All God sees is the work of His Son on the cross. Not you. He's your propitiation. Does He love you? Yes, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But all God sees is that you were crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. All God sees is the work of Jesus on the Son of His cross. And by virtue of Jesus, all His blessings and His miracles are working power today in you and in me. And they're ours if we believe in His Son, if we believe in Jesus. Going back to Galatians 3 5, Paul said, we are depending, We're not depending on our works. But we are on the hearing of faith that miracles is done. Consider for a moment all the people that Jesus healed and did miracles for in his earthly ministry. Not a single one of them deserved it. They didn't do anything to earn a miracle. They simply received miracles because of his amazing grace. And when we see his grace, he sees our faith. When we see his grace, he sees our faith. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? Who had been bleeding for 12 years? According to the law of Moses, she was considered unclean. She should have been outside the camp. And was not supposed to be in public places, let alone touching anybody. But in Mark 5, 27, we see that when she had heard, sorry, I'm messing with, heard about Jesus, and she came behind him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. Okay? We don't have the whole backstory to this woman, but somewhere she heard about Jesus. Sorry, I missed the key word out of it. Because what was my first point? We need to hear. But she heard about Jesus. She must have heard the wonderful testimonies about all the people that Jesus touched and healed. And she wanted her healing. She was desperate enough. She was bold enough to void the law of Moses about being in a public place, about touching people, in a crowd. Okay? And these, these accounts, these testimonies that she heard opened her eyes so she could envision herself. That's my second point. To be healed. And she expected, if I touch the hem of this garment, I will be healed. If you read the whole story. And when we get to Mark 34, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your affliction. See, the result of her hearing God, envisioning herself being healed by touching his garment, and by expecting that, the result was faith was ignited in her heart. And the moment she touched the hem of his garment, she received her miracle. She wasn't conscious of, I don't think she was even conscious of her faith. 
She wasn't focused on, do I have enough faith or not? Do you know what she was focused on? She was focused on His grace. She was focused on Jesus. She was focused on touching Jesus. That was faith. Okay? When she saw His grace... He turned and saw her faith. Who touched me? If you read the context. And then one of the points I'm trying to make is that we don't have to try to conjure faith for healing in our bodies, our healing in our finances. Faith for anything that we're praying for and breakthrough are miracles in our life springs forth by seeing His amazing grace. He died, Jesus died, that you might live. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve His grace. You don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve healing. You don't deserve provision. You don't deserve deliverance. But He still did it. Because of his amazing grace and great mercy. See, Jesus on the cross. You need to see Jesus on the cross dying for you. The demonstration of his grace, his love, his compassion, his mercy for you on the cross. See his grace. Focus on his grace. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes. See, when you see his grace, you will have faith. Enough faith. By focusing on his grace is enough faith for you to receive your miracle. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And when you focus on Jesus and put your faith and your focus on His grace. By hearing His grace. By hearing His gospel. By envisioning His gospel changing your circumstance. By expecting it to change. Seeing His grace is enough. Seeing His grace was enough for that woman to go and find and touch Jesus. If you're believing the Lord for a breakthrough today, Know that he has his miracle just for you. He lives in the realm of the miraculous. Jesus lives in the realm of the miraculous. And we are called to live a supernatural life when we depend on him for miraculous provisions in our lives, physically, financially, relationally, in so many which ways. We can be like Jesus. And who gave thanks for the loaves and the fish. And then we're able to meet and feed the multitudes. We can be like Jesus and walk on water. We can be like Jesus and calm the storm and calm the waves. We can be like Jesus and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And Jesus knew. See, I had myself in my notes. When Jesus was feeding the multitudes, he knew that God, his Father, 
was supplied a miracle of providing the needs of the people. Jesus knew. Where was Jesus' faith? His faith was on the word of God. He heard the Father. He didn't do anything. He didn't hear the Father say or do. He envisioned what God told him to do. He expected the loaves and the fish to multiply. Okay? Again, where could the gospel is the power of God and salvation to everyone to believe it. Well, therein, and I want to switch gears, I want to get to my fourth point here in a moment. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. See, again, because of man's sin, Adam's sin, death reigned. But there's much more that you and I are supposed to be experiencing. There's a power. There's a salvation that we supposed to, are supposed to be experiencing. And this gospel reveals righteousness. And death reigned. But much more those who receive this amazing grace I've been talking about. And this, abundant, this gift of righteousness that I'm going to start talking about now. We're reigned in life through the one Jesus Christ. Because of this grace, because of this righteousness, there are gifts. It's unmerited favor. It's a gift of righteousness, a right relationship with God, right standing with God because of his grace. And the gospel reveals this righteousness that we have received by faith. We are the reign in life, much more than sickness, death, and the reign, lack ever reigned in our lives. It says in Isaiah, in righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror it shall not come near you. My fourth point this morning is that we be established. I want to come back to this verse real quick. But I want to give you this point real quick, is that we be established. We need to hear God. We need to envision our circumstances changing. We need to expect our circumstances changing. And we need to be established in his righteousness. Okay? It's not just about knowing you're righteous in Christ. But it's about being established in his righteousness. See, the word established, this word, we're in, we're in, the, we're in the Old Testament, so we're talking about Hebrew here. This word established in the Hebrew is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's kwan, K-U-W-N, kwan, maybe that's more better, okay? But it mean, what does it mean? The, the, this word established in the Hebrew means fixed or firm. And the same Hebrew word that's used for established here, is also used in Joshua when the priests stepped into the Jordan at blood stage. See, in Joshua 3.17, I'm going to read from the New American Standard. <coughs> it says, The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. This word stood firm, this phrase stood firm, is the same Greek word established in Isaiah 54, 14. 
Okay? I want, I want to use this Joshua one as a... I don't have time to read the whole context here. But what's going on here? They're going into the promised land. Okay? I mean, you know, we have a promised land in Jesus. And they were crossing the Jordan at flood stage. And God told them, as the priest stepped into the Jordan, the moment their toes got into that water, he said that the, 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 the river would roll back and stand in a heap. Basically bowing, that word heap, if you study it out in the Hebrew, it means to bow, that the, the river would bow to their feet. And it says in Joshua that they stood firm, they stood established in the middle of the Jordan, doing what? Carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? The Ark of the Covenant represents Jesus and the finished work. Okay? Let me get a little ahead of myself here in my notes. Let me catch up with myself. Alright. Once, once the priest stood in the ground, stood in the water, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant represents Jesus. If you read the language of the Hebrew, it says that the, 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 the river would roll back all the way to Adam. There was a city called Adam. Okay? So, when they stood firm in the river, God rolled back the waters of judgment all the way back to Adam, where sin began in the first place. A city that's called after the man, the man who got us in this mess to begin with. His name is called Adam. I believe this is a picture of how Jesus' death on the cross. Because they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant that represents the, 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 the new covenant in Jesus' blood. And it caused all God's judgment to roll back all the way to Adam. This is an awesome righteousness. That is why today we can stand firm in the midst of our Jordans, going into the promised land, and be established, standing firm in this righteousness, so that we can be far from oppression, and without fear, and without terror. And then will God come near you? What kind of fear? You're going to die from COVID. You're going to die from sickness. You're going to die because you don't have enough to meet the needs. You can't do that. Some of you are being oppressed by diseases and sicknesses. Some of you are being oppressed by lack and torture. There's terror. Okay? Whatever the case may be. But we can stand today. We can stand firm in the covenant of our God. As the priests of God have been redeemed. We are kings and priests of the Most High God. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. And we are the priests of the Lord my God. And we stand for the covenant of God. We stand in the, His blood that was shed for us. His body that was broken for us. The covenant of His blood. And we stand on dry ground. Going into the promised land. We stand firm in this righteousness He has given us. That He's imparted to us. And by faith we stand. We do miracles by the hearing of faith. And when you are established 
in righteousness. You will be far from oppression, from terror, and it will not come near you. It goes on to say in verse 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Your righteousness is not from you. It's not from keeping the law. Your righteousness is from God. From Jesus. Okay? So what's condemning you? What's oppressing you? Is sickness oppressing you? Is lack, death oppressing you? Maybe you made a mistake. Is addiction oppressing you? Then your righteousness can overcome that in the name of Jesus. Your righteousness in Christ. The communication of your faith can become effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus, and that includes his righteousness. His abundance of grace and his gift of righteousness can cause you to reign and not death to reign, not sickness to reign, not lack to reign, not division to reign, not divorce to reign. God wants us to to just to not just know about righteousness and study it and talk about it. That's all good and that's all wonderful. But God wants us to be firmly established in his righteousness. And not let the enemy come steal this truth from us. Because this is what the true gospel is doing. The gospel it's not only the power of God unto salvation, but the gospel reveals his righteousness. How do we do miracles? By the hearing of faith. And the gospel reveals his righteousness from faith to faith, so that the just shall live by his faith. This is so rich, folks. We've made it about praying long prayers and fasting and there's a place for that because we're about a relationship with God but we've taken Jesus out of the equation when you take Jesus out of the equation you get religion but this is called Christianity it's called Christmas Christmas salvation is for everyone that believeth the word salvation we studied as soteria in the, in, the, in the Greek, and it means wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance in every area of our lives. In every area of our lives. See, there are those who believe that after people get saved, because they believe, that they don't need to hear the gospel anymore. Remember my first point is hearing? Some people think that once you get saved, because you believe, you don't need to hear the gospel anymore. That's foolishness. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That's not true. Every day, today is the day of salvation. Today, every day, we live by the gospel, the power of God to receive wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, everything we need. Every day in our life, we need, we need the gospel. We need salvation. In our marriages. We need salvation in our parenting. We need salvation in our relationships. We need salvation in our jobs and our businesses. We need salvation 
in our health and in our finances. Excuse me, it is the gospel of grace that causes us to prosper and experience wholeness, to experience healing and prosperity and deliverance. If the gospel you're hearing does not result in salvation, wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, then it's not the true gospel that you're hearing. If the gospel you're hearing does not produce salvation in your family, in your family, in your health, in your finances, then you're not hearing the true gospel in those areas. Okay. So I go back to my first point. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Because whatever you're hearing is what you're envisioning, and whatever you're envisioning is what you're expecting. And whatever you're expecting is what you're established in. Okay. See, the true gospel is the gospel of grace. It's not a teaching. It's not just a doctrine. The gospel is not a doctrine. The the gospel is not a facet of truth. The gospel is the person of Jesus Christ himself. See, the word salvation in the Greek is soteria. And then we told you what that means. But in the Hebrew, the word salvation is Yeshua. And Yeshua is, has the same definition as far as wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, etc. But Yeshua is not only the term or definition of the word for salvation, Yeshua is also the name of Jesus. Okay? The salvation that Jesus brings through the finished work of the cross is what we're talking about. When we talk about the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation, We're also saying that the gospel is the power of God unto Jesus. And this Jesus reveals the righteousness of God from faith to faith, so we live by faith. The salvation that Jesus brings in his finished work is not only for eternal life, but also for our daily lives. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of Jesus. When your life, when you, so, let me start over. When you live life under grace, the power that brings salvation, the power that brings wholeness to your body, the power that brings health to your mind, the power that brings peace in your relationships, the power that brings provision to your finances is released in your life. When you live your life under grace, the power that brings this salvation, this wholeness, this healing, this provision, this deliverance is released in your life. Because therein is a righteousness of God revealed 
from faith to faith. We live by this. We live by faith. How do we do miracles? By the hearing of faith. Okay. God's righteousness is revealed from faith, faith, faith. It's not revealed by works of the law. We do miracles by the hearing of faith. We live by faith. We live from faith to faith. In him we live and we move and we have our being. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life I now live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay? When the gospel of grace is preached, the result in people's life is a heart transformation. And that heart transformation then affects our behavior. It affects our lifestyle. It affects our conduct. Not being established in the truth of righteousness, many people struggle to get right with God. Which results in depressive thoughts and sleepless nights and so on. Only when we realize that we have already been made righteous because of the finished work, because he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God in him. How did he even become righteous? Because of Jesus. Okay? Jesus has made you righteous. It's a gift of righteousness. It's not something you earn. And once we are conscious of God's love and beauty, and giving us his righteousness. There's a conviction to share the good news of the gospel to others. Jesus even said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit convicts us, the church, of righteousness. Because he goes to the Father. The more conscious you are of your own sins, by, by the consciousness of the law, I don't have time to go into all of that, the longer you will dwell in a painful, depressive state. The longer you're focused, I have myself. The more, the longer you're focused on your sin that Jesus came to die for, the longer you will stay in a depressive, and trap, and mindset and lifestyle of sin. And that's not how God intended for you to live. The secret. To a victorious life. The secret to a free life. A secret to a sinless life. A secret to a repentant life. The secret to a miraculous life. Called Christianity. Is being delivered from self. And becoming Christ conscious. I'm not focused on my sin. I'm focused on Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Deliverer. Jesus is my Rock. Okay? I'm not sin conscious. I'm not self conscious. I am Jesus conscious. Okay? And when we behold His glory, we will be transformed into the same image. I don't have time to teach all this right now, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, Paul compares the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of his spirit, which are synonymous, 
And he compares it with the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation, which is the law. He compares the glory of the ministry of condemnation and death with the ministry of, with the glory of the ministry of righteousness and the ministry of his spirit. You have to read that in, in, in 2 Corinthians in context. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, all the way to verse 13. And then in verse 14 and 15 and 16, he talks about this veil being removed. The veil is the law. The veil is the ministry of death and condemnation. And the only way to remove this veil is to preach Christ. And when you preach Christ, there is a veil removed. And he goes to verse 17 and says, Where the, where the Spirit of the Lord has there is freedom. Freedom from what? Sin. Freedom from the law. Freedom from the, this former glory. <clears throat> but when the veil is removed, we can now see. We can now behold, see with the mind. As in the mirror. The mirror of what? The mirror of God's word. A mirror is not a see-through glass or window. The mirror is a reflective device. And when we look into the mirror of God's word, we see God's glory, not our glory. Why? We're crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. He says, I reckon I reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We, 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 when we look in the mirror of God's word, we are beholding his glory, not our glory. And when we behold his glory, we are transformed. That is the word where we get metamorphosis. It's like a, a caterpillar turning to, to a butterfly. It's like a tadpole turning to a frog. We are transformed into the same, <coughs> into the same image. What image? The image that we are now beholding in the mirror. When we behold Jesus, we will be transformed into Jesus. From glory to glory. From the glory of, what glory? The glory of the law. The glory of the ministry of death and condemnation. To the glory of the ministry of righteousness. The ministry of the Spirit by the Spirit of God. That's deep. I don't have time to teach all that. I taught almost two hours of teaching there in five minutes. Okay? But when we behold His glory, we will be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And when you are unsure if you're preaching or teaching the true gospel of grace, how do you know what you are hearing or what you are preaching is the true gospel? Because there's one simple answer to this. How you know what you're hearing, how you know what you're preaching is the true gospel or not, is because it will always, the true gospel will always point to Jesus. The true gospel will always reveal the righteousness of God. Okay? it points to Jesus and his finished work, if it reveals Jesus and what he accomplished through the cross, what he accomplished through the cross, his righteousness in us. He took our sin. He crucified it. He buried it. And we were raised with him in newness of life. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. See, even the Holy Spirit in John 16, 14, he, talked about the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, the Son, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
That's the job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. And I am continually amazed at the meaning of righteousness. And I don't have time to... I, I, our first year we started this church, I taught a whole year on righteousness. And I need to teach on righteousness again soon. Okay, But righteousness is a condition of a guiltless perfection in the presence of God. I want to say that again. Righteousness is a condition of guiltless perfection in the, in the presence of God. How do we become perfected? Through the blood of Jesus. Through Jesus. Through his gift of righteousness, we became the righteous of God. Through, he became sin for us. Through faith in Jesus, we became the righteousness of God. Okay, But once we understand this doctrine called righteousness, it's important that we have a revelation of what it means in our lives. Okay, It's important that we are established in this righteousness. Okay? See, the scriptures are full. There's over 500 scriptures in the Old Testament and New Testament talking about this righteousness we have in Christ. Okay? And we need to understand that this righteousness not only makes us right with God, but this righteousness is powerful for us to receive miracles. Okay? See, righteousness is not only our legal standing before God, and it is. When you understand righteousness, you will understand that you have a legal standing before God. Okay? But the same power and favor of God to stand before the presence of God is the same power and favor of God to live the abundant life that God has given us. It says in Psalm 512, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with your favor, and you will surround him with a shield. Again, we need to hear God. We need, we need to hear, we need to envision uh, his, his word, His life, His righteous change in our life. We need to expect from God. And we need to be established in righteousness. In other words, do you see yourself surrounded with the shield of God's favor? Do you see, do you expect His blessings in every area of life? Okay? It says in Psalm 146, in other words, before I go to, what are you hearing? What are you envisioning? What are you expecting? And what are you establishing? Are you establishing your sin? Are you establishing the world? Are you establishing the church? Are you, are you, are you expecting everything to go wrong? Are you expecting the world to cave in? I know we're living in the last times, but the book of Revelation is not so much about the end times. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. Read the first verse of the chapter, book. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 says it's a revelation of Jesus. Will there be end times stuff going on? Yes, but keep your eyes on Jesus. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in our world, but I'm respecting Jesus. He's coming. And while, he's, while he tarries, there's work to do. We need to shine Jesus. We need to preach Jesus. We need to preach hope. We need to envision God, us being the church, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We are the church. We are the people of God. We believe God. We expect God. We see God. We are a miraculous church. We have the same power to raise Christ from the dead, living on the inside of us. And I and you need to be established in our righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. Let righteousness work as healing, healing your body and meeting your needs. 
If you study the life of Jesus, if you study the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I have taught on this before, but I don't have time to teach on this now, and I'm trying to wrap this up as I, as I close this out. But Jesus healed all who came to him because he was righteous. What gives Satan power in your life? It's called sin. See, man, man had dominion over the earth before the fall. Adam lost it all, where death reigned. I want to go, I want to, I want to skip ahead. Adam lost it all through death because of sin. But we're supposed to have abundance of grace and get the righteous to reign in life. What caused Satan to have dominion in our lives? Sin. Well, if Jesus, I don't have the verse up here. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, let me go back real quick. If Jesus took care of the sin problem and gave us righteousness, and Jesus, there was no sin. Now he did not commit sin, but he was not born of Adam's seed. He was born of incorruptible seed. He was born of the seed of the Holy Spirit. You and I are born again, not of incorruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God. <clears throat> Hope I'm making sense. But Jesus had authority to do miracles. Because of righteousness. Jesus did miracles because of righteousness. Jesus had authority over the winds and the waves because of righteousness. Jesus could walk on water because of righteousness. Jesus had authority over all the works of the devil because of righteousness. Well, you and I are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And we can do miracles because of Jesus. Because of righteousness. Okay? We have been made the very righteous of God in Christ Jesus. See, righteousness is a freedom. Let me go back where it was. When we're establishing righteousness, nothing will come against us. No weapon formed against us won't prosper. We can overcome all the stuff going on in this world. The gravity pull of this world, we can overcome all that because of Jesus. Because of this righteousness we have in him. Okay? But and we're supposed to reign in life through the one, through Jesus Christ. Righteousness is freedom from oppression in every area of our lives. And the way of a righteous life is through Jesus. Sorry, I'm missing something in my notes here, but that's fine. Proverbs 12, 28 says, In the way of righteousness is life, and in it is a pathway there is no death. In the way of righteousness is life, but and in its pathway there is no death. Again, when we are establishing righteousness, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And everything that rises against us, we shall can do. What does that mean? There's a lot of different ways I can go with this. But in context of what we've been talking about. What rises up against you? Does sickness ever rise up against you? Then you have a right to condemn it in Jesus' name. 
There's lack rise up against you. Say, well, God's telling you to go here and do this, but you can't do it because you don't have money. That's rising up against you. We never got captured to the knowledge of God. And you can condemn lack in the name of Jesus. Whatever is rising up against you compared to what God's told you to do. Well, how do you know what God's told you to do? Well, let me skip ahead real quick. We need to hear Him. When you hear Him, you'll know what God's told you to do. And no matter what it looks like in the natural, you can envision yourself doing what God's called you to do. And you can expect, if you need, if you, if you need the, the river to roll back to Adam, then you can have the river roll back to Adam. So that you can cross over and dry ground. And because you're established in the covenant of God, you're establishing His righteousness. You need to hear God. You need to envision yourself going in the direction God's called you to do. And you need to... Uh, you need to expect that. You need to expect things to line up to the Word of God. If they don't, you need to speak some things. You need to envision it. You need to expect it. You need to be established in it. You need to be firm. Let me go back real quick. It says in Isaiah 58, because it's talking about fasting. Right? The whole chapter is talking about fasting. But then your light shall break forth like the morning, and your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall be go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be over your God. Seek righteousness. So again, we need to hear, envision, expect, and be established. Again, what are you hearing? What are you envisioning? What are you expecting? What are you establishing? Are you establishing theology and man's theology? And man's opinion? Your opinion? Are you establishing what's going on in the news? Are you established in what you heard from God? What you are envisioning? What you are expecting from God. What are you establishing? That's how you receive a miracle. Okay. I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has ministered to you. Okay. I don't know if I fully conveyed everything I wanted to try to convey here. But I know in my own life, I need to start envisioning some things. And I need to start expecting some things. There's probably a fifth point I can add here. Just, I need to start talking different. Okay? And so, um, anyway, I hope this has helped you. But we can expect miracles. Because we know, we know, God will honor His Word above His own name. If God doesn't honor His Word, then this Word is not true. But this Word is true. And God does honor His we need to hear it. We need to let this envision. We need to let this be our vision. We need to let this be our expectation. And we need to be established in the Word of God and the righteousness of God. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for Christmas. And anyway, have a great week.